Dudes, you're on the Draft Dudes podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Friday edition of the show, Running Back Day here on this podcast. Kyle, welcome. Let's crack it open. Oh, wow. Friday episode of the pod. Question right off the bat, though, I have for you. What was that? You watching this Tiger King mess? No, I'm not. Yeah, I'm watching tape. Same. Well, and I couldn't even begin to imagine wanting to watch Tiger King. I never heard of it until like in the last couple of days. Well, it didn't drop it. Like it just came out on Netflix. That's why it looks bad, like legit bad. I don't know what the premise is other than there's guys and tigers. Like, what's the deal? Do you know what the like the can you give me the IMDb plot synopsis for Tiger King? <laughs> can I No. <laughs> No, I can't. Is Other it than... a documentary about Joe Burrow? Uh, Tiger King follows the story of Joe Exotic. Who Joe claimed... Burrow? No, his name is Joe Exotic, who claimed to be the nation's most prolific breeder of tigers. The flamboyant animal enthusiast was the owner of the greater Winwood Exotic Animal Park in Ruler, Winwood, Oklahoma. And this guy looks ridiculous. Got okay, so if it's not hair. about Joe Burrow, then I don't care. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm all the way out. All the way out on the Tiger I'm King. Out. I'm all the way out. All right. We are all the way in on running backs, though. Um, yeah, there's even a Tiger in here. There's a couple Tigers in here. There's one Tiger that's not in here that's pretty notable. Travis again. Oh, wasn't ready to talk about it. You know how I feel about Travis. He, he did you dirty this year, brother. He spurned me. It's the first time in three years. I've written an underclassman ahead of the underclassman deadline only for that guy to go back to school. ETN's the first one in three years. Surely a safe bet too, right? Like a really talented right. running back from Clemson. Well, yeah, these guys never go back to school. Yep, lock it in. <laughs> it was like one of the first three guys I wrote all year. Well, I solidified my running back. I woke up early this morning, Kyle, to make oh, sure that wow. I got a couple more guys in. And wow. when I say wake up early, it just pretty much means my, <laughs> it's normal because my daughter wakes up and that's just part of life right now. Wait, you have a kid? Yeah. Yeah. Per source is close to the situation. I have a kid and she woke up at, <laughs> th- at 2.45 and 6.45. And so no, at 2.45, we fed her and we got the work when we were done. So uh, I have I have my guys done. And I'm ready to talk about RB1. Which is? J.K. Dobbins. Yes! I knew you were a man of culture. Let's go. Is this a good player, man? And the thing is, what's interesting is I was a little nervous after the 2018 season with Dwayne Haskins. I felt like he just didn't look that effective to me. And I was nervous that he required a... um, uh, a, an athletic quarterback to to help complement some of the zone read stuff and, and really take advantage of of some space. But man, he was so good this past year. I thought he showed a, a complete skill set, caught the football well. My favorite thing about him is just how spatially aware he is. 
you, you see when he presses the line of scrimmage and there's late flashing defenders, just how nuanced he is to take on that contact or, or move laterally to find uh, additional space, really good feel for cutback lanes. I mean, he, he took some, some balls, the distance this year. I mean, a lot of home run ability there and the skill set. He's physical, good contact balance. I mean, he's a pretty complete back. You're not going to be able to poke a whole lot of holes in his game. And um, I think he's going to be a really outstanding pro. Did you see what Ted Nguyen did breaking down his zone, his inside zone run against uh, Wisconsin? I did not, know. Oh, I'm going to send it to you right now. It's a new thing in this podcast. Joe didn't see something. He has to see it and react. You got to see it in real time. So while I'm, after I send this to you, I'm going to talk about Dobbins a little bit myself. I think you did a really nice job kind of outlining what he does. Well, this is coming in Slack. Oh, Slack. All right. Okay. All right. I see it. Uh, Without the volume. preferably. Yeah. Well, you know, Just, just kind of watch, watch how Dobbins strings together the runs, but Dobbins here is breaking down like what he's reading and keying on this play. Mm-hmm. Watch this second cut. <laughs> it's at the 40 yard line on the hash. Oh, he's going to go left here. How unbelievable is that? Well, I mean, I'm still paused here and it looks like everything's going right. So him going left right now is inconceivable. to me. Right. So, and, and that's what Dobbins does best as far oh, as yeah. silky smooth, right? That's beautiful. So as far as Dobbins, Dobbins is the back this year. I agree with you. His 2018 film was underwhelming. Looked like he was a little lethargic, and he got a lot of his quickness back in short spaces this past year. And You know, a lot of times, backs of his stature, he's like 5'9". Yeah. You've got so much natural power because of your stature, like, you don't have to be 225 pounds to be a bruiser when you're that condensed. And Dobbins seemed to find the balance this year of muscle mass and weight frame and his stature that allowed him to be so dynamic in creating on his own. And I know the narrative is, oh, Ohio State spread offense, oh, Ohio State with the with the the passing offense and what what you mentioned, needing an athletic quarterback to kind of space it and and, and stress the box a little bit. I get it. But Dobbins was the back this year for me that created his own big plays in the backfield and inside the box. And that's the big difference maker for me versus uh, I think he's just a little bit more dynamic than DeAndre Swift. Uh, Cam Akers, I have the, the some questions with his vision and obviously the production level wasn't to the degree of Dobbins. Jonathan Taylor, I don't think is as good when you ask him to move laterally. Imagine Jonathan Taylor trying to make the cut that's in that Ted Wynn clip. Yeah, that's that's where he, he could couldn't do it. Right. And that's not a knock on Jonathan Taylor. They're just different style runners. But that is what divides Dobbins for me versus everybody else. Nuanced player. Good one. All right. Where now let me go? ask you this. Let mm-hmm. me ask you this. Is Dobbins in a tier by himself, or do you have other guys that you graded in the same bucket? Oh, he's got two guys right on his ass. Okay. So is this first-round grades? We gave out three first-round grades at running back? No. Oh. We gave I was going to say, yo, yo tambien. No. I've given out three first-round grades amongst running backs. I think the top of this class is really good. 
I'd be interested who the two guys are right on Dobbins's rear are for you, since I it it materialized very similarly for me. Yeah, it's I think it's gonna be different though. I have DeAndre Swift RB two, Jonathan Taylor RB three. Okay. I have Swift RB two and I have Cam Akers RB three, Taylor's RB four for me. So you're you're notably higher on Akers, even though I have him as um RB five probably. R- yeah, RB five comfortably. I mean, like when I look at this RB class and I want to get a starter, he's part of that mix where I say I want one of those five guys. So right. he's a good player. So I but I mean you have him two or three? Uh three. So do you want to kind of get into him a bit here? Let's talk about Swift first since he's a universal two for us, and then I'll get into camp. Yeah, so Swift, um, obviously high character guy, um, shifty. He's powerful. He's probably got the best hands in the class, uh, best pass blocker in my opinion, probably in the class. I love that he's a plug and play option in my opinion. There's no guesswork. He played in a pro style scheme against SEC defenses, and he's got a complete three down skill set. The the concern with me and Swift is, you know, he's always seems to have some type of nagging injury. I think he has one fumble per 68 touches, which is a pretty high clip. And then uh, there's just something about whenever he's looking to press wide, he just kind of digs for that extra real estate to get those shoulders square. And I'm not exactly sure why he does that. He's got plenty of lateral quickness he can get with in some of his cuts. But for whatever reason, I think he kind of invites those linebackers that are buzzing down, working off tackle to to get to him. And, and so for him to be a more effective outside runner at the next level, I think he's got to tighten up some angles and a little bit uh, with his process in terms of cleaning it up so that he can be effective off tackle. But I mean, those are my gripes with him, but I mean, overall pretty complete back that I think is pro ready. Yeah. He's, would you say he has the best contact balance between him and Clyde Edwards Hilaire? Yes. So I think that's, that's the part I like the most about Swift. Uh, As I mentioned, I do think Dobbins is just a little bit more dynamic and, but but Swift, you can't possibly go wrong. He's 22nd on my my personal board as far as overall prospects. Would I draft him there? That's a different story. But as far as just like rating the football players on value of being good, DeAndre Swift checks almost every single box. And it's weird because you mentioned like the durability thing. Like he never really had like a serious injury. Right. Right. It was always just like a little something. <laughs> that's like coming into the game. It's like, all right, well, Swift has this. We got to watch out for it. And he'd inevitably be be fine. But the worry is obviously with the longevity and long-term as a guy who's never really, his biggest workload that was this past year. And these Georgia backs are almost universally splitting carries at a high rate. Yeah. It's good for them though. They don't come yes. in with a ton of tread. So, but the question is, you know, if, if you're a player, who doesn't have to be the bell cow and you kind of have your bumps and bruises. Are you able to step up and be a bell cow? Right. You might not need to, right. I mean, there's not a whole lot of bell cows in the league, right. But if you're going to draft a guy early, that's the, that should be your expectation. Yeah. That's where I, that's where I think this, these conversations get messy. Because there's nothing about his skill set that suggests he can't be. It's just you kind of add things up and you can bring some doubt into the equation. But then you ask yourself, well, do we need him to be that anyways? And 
then that brings in another layer to the conversation of, well, you should, if you want to draft them high. So it gets messy with running backs. Right. I guess the, if you're not going to ask him to be a bell cow, how can you value him higher than like what Miles Sanders was for the Eagles last year? It's funny you ask that because I have a piece coming out on the draftnetwork.com today where I predicted the landing spots for each of the top five backs. And so you guys, Oh, you did stay tuned on to where I put Mr. DeAndre Swift. Well, I might go into the back end of the site when we're done here and cheat, but well, the good news is my slug is not in there. So you won't be able to find it. Oh, you prick. But Alexis won't be up for a few hours and (laughs) it'll be in there after we're done recording. Oh, good, 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 good. All right. Um, so cam Akers for me. Cam Akers, I thought, really showed some good growth in 2019 with his assertiveness getting downhill. And if you can run behind the Florida State offensive line (laughs) and be a productive football player, I feel pretty good about your odds of going to the next level and eventually becoming a good productive football player as a running back. I I love the aggression that he brings. He's an angry runner between the tackles. I probably like him best in gap power because I, as you ask him to press and read the line of scrimmage and cut and create things, your variance in results kind of gets amplified a little bit. So he is a guy I want to be coming into a downhill gap power style system uh, and let him really challenge linebackers in the hole. I think he's a guy that can be a wear you out type of back. Uh, He's not super condensed, but he's really thick. And like I said, he runs angry. So he had a big bounce back here this past year. He averaged five yards a carry, had 14 touchdowns rushing, uh, caught 30 passes, had a total of 18 touchdowns, 261 touches. Uh, So a very productive season over the course of 11 games for him. Uh, I just think his ability to create big plays is only going to get better as he gets into a system that is not just constantly throwing trash in his face. So this is, I'm looking for like a rose amongst the thorns here with Cam Akers. And I think he can be that based on his physical skill set, what he was in 2017 when he came in as a freshman and what his bounce back year looked like this past year. I like Akers a lot. Um, he's going to be a better pro than he is college player, which is so weird. You you don't anticipate guys having better blocking at the next level and, and, you know, bigger creases, but that's going to be the case for acres and, you know, size, power, athleticism. It's all there. He catches the football. Well, I'm excited about acres. Um, you know, I, it's going to be interesting though. Like how does he respond to better structure? If that makes sense, you know, like, is that something that is cause for concern? I think it's kind of, being aggressive with trying to find issues, but I do want to see how that, that translates. And, and I do think that he's a willing pass blocker, but I, I felt like his, his processing and and pass pro was something that left something to be desired as well. So I'm, I'm anxious to see how he acclimates to the next level. And um, if he goes to the spot that I have him going in my piece, then I think he'll have a real good chance to succeed. Let, let me interject real quick here. Yeah. I agree. He wasn't the most consistent in pass protection but he was arguably the most enthusiastic in hitting guys in pass protection. I saw him a number of times step up and lay wood on free runners. And I loved it. And it's like, yes, you want to see a little bit more punch, a little bit less pad, 
want to see you be able to maintain your posture a little more so that you are able to sustain that contact into a block, an established block, instead of just thudding guys. But he cracks skulls. And he got me amped up a couple of times where I'm like, all right, like this dude's, you know, this dude played on a terrible football team and he ran his ass off every time he touched the ball. And then you asked him to pass block. And no, he might be not be the most polished at it. But he said, man, I'm going to take all my frustrations out on this terrible offense on this poor linebacker coming through the hole. (laughs) And he would smack dudes. How about his combine in terms of drill work? I thought that was something where he really excelled. I mean, the footwork was really, really clean. Um, I'm excited for Akers. I really am. Um, I'm looking forward to you seeing where I have him in my piece. Breaking news. Okay. I have a nephew. He's arrived. Oh, there it is. Just got the text. Just got the text. I heard it go. Congratulations. I was thinking it would happen during this podcast. And so, um, everyone's doing well, I'm assuming. That's what the text that's, that is the report from inside sources. Yes. Well, congratulations. Uh, yeah, Kyle. you should be, you should be. That's awesome. All right. So talk to me about Jonathan Taylor, since you got him RB three in front of acres. Yeah, man, this guy's a top five pick in 2005, right? <laughs> that <Yeah>. year that <laughs> Ronnie Brown and Cedric Benson going to top five with Carnell Williams. You're telling me John Taylor and, three consecutive years leading the big 10 and, and rushing and 55 touchdowns or something like that. Five eleven, just shy of two thirty, runs four, three, nine. I mean, unbelievable, unbelievable explosive numbers and production coming out of Wisconsin. And I mean, I think that's, that's kind of it. Like you get a really big physical, powerful back that has home run ability and, and he forces guys to make business decisions And he came on as a receiver. He only caught 16 passes his first two years at Wisconsin, caught 25 and five touchdowns uh, in 2019. was good to see that growth. And I I feel like he's going to be a a very successful gap runner. Now, if you're looking for a ton of lateral mobility and really dynamic width in his cuts and that type of stuff, I think you're going to come up empty looking for that in John Taylor's skill set. But if you can if you can get him a little bit of space, he's a whole lot of man to bring down and he can get it going in a hurry. I think the most impressive thing for Taylor for me was anytime he had the chance to get in the open field, no matter whether it was game one, game 12, third quarter, first quarter, you always saw that extra pop, right? And he he didn't always finish the long runs, but obviously as a former track guy, he has track speed. And you always saw when he came out of the mesh point and he does his little hezzy step, gets up into the gap, and he sees a crease, he almost always broke that first angle. Yeah. And that ability to accelerate through the second level coming out of a very controlled cadence. And I'll give Taylor a lot of credit for that. He was always controlled working up out of the mesh point to the point of attack. Very rarely caught off balance. Um, Even when there was trash in front of his feet, he's not JK Dobbins for his lateral ability, but because he was controlled, 
he gave himself a chance to redirect. And, and a lot of backs, they're so eager to get up and get positive yardage that it's almost they're, they're cutting themselves off from being able to do that. Taylor has a really natural instinct as a runner, as evidenced by 6,174 rushing yards and two 2,000-yard rushing seasons in three years at Wisconsin. Like, just monstrous production. And the fact that his size, as you said, the, the size and burst on the second level component of him is the most impressive quality for me. Ball security is something we got to mention with him. 18 fumbles in 41 games. Um, yeah. Even when you break it down per touch, it's, it's high. And it didn't necessarily ever go away. And, and so that's something he'll have to clean up. And it's something guys have been able to clean up. Um, but it, it's I think it's a notable wart that we have to consider. I think you and I have to talk about at least three more guys before we open up the floor. I think that's fair. Yeah. Let's go. I think we got to talk about roll Clyde. You talk about Zach Moss roll Clyde instead of roll tide. Okay. Never heard that, but I got, I gave, I, I coined that when you remember that picture of Ed Ogeron eating the coleslaw. I do. I put hashtag roll Clyde on that after LSU whooped their ass. I don't. Re- I remember what you did. I don't remember the specifics. Jeez, but. Louise. I know. I know. So Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, Zach Moss, and Eno Benjamin are those your next three backs? No. No. Oh, we got a little upset special here. Okay. You know, I'm not a super high on Eno Benjamin. I'm not. I think he's a good player. I, it, What's the concern with Eno? Defined super high too. He's like a fifth round grade for me. Okay. I got him as a late three. So there's a little bit of a void here. I think I'm surprised that you like him because I really think that you're somebody appreciates like step frequency and what guys do to make blocks, right. And, and kind of move guys on the second level. And I, I didn't feel like you got that from, Eno. I didn't think his pace was super consistent. And I thought his like, I thought he was bad in pass pro. Um, I think he's a good pass catcher, and I think he's got great contact balance. Yeah, those so are I redeeming see, qualities. I, I see a pathway for him being a not high volume contributor, but a consistent, reliable contributor. My comp on him is Paul Perkins, and and I came up with that pretty oh. early watching him. Ugh. Yeah, sorry. I loved I love Paul Perkins. I I don't like Eno as much as I like Paul Perkins. Well, Paul Perkins, Paul Perkins was a good college running back. He sure it. was, just like Eno Benjamin. Oh boy, here we go. All <laughs> right, did... so who who are your next three backs? Because I know you we've got Clyde Edwards Hilaire has to be in there. You said yep. Cam Akers was RB five. Yep. No RB Zach yeah, Moss. Zach Moss is RB six. Okay, so I have Clyde as RB5 and Zach Moss as RB6. So we at least have the same group of the top six just in different order. Yep, and then it gets weird. And then it it gets very weird. I've got like five guys with fourth-round grades, four guys guys with fifth-round grades, like six guys with sixth-round grades. It's it's a very muddy, muddy, murky mess behind these guys. So let's give Edwards Hilaire his due here. I mean, um, yes, 
but almost 1900 yards, 17 touchdowns for that LSU offense last year. Um, best route runner in the class for sure. Vision. And he gone. liked, he didn't even like take over at first. No. Yeah. When he came into the year. He was like behind Leonard Fournette. Yeah. Didn't take long. Um, he's his vision, contact balance, receiving ability is really exceptional. Um, you know, he's a one speed runner. So you do have to keep that in mind. He's not going to give you that second gear, that explosive long ball that you're looking for. But, um, if you, if you can put that to the side, I don't think you're going to find, I mean, he's the best vision of, he's the best combination of vision and contact balance in this class. Yes. I think that's fair. And if those are the two most important traits for a running back, which I think we probably agree on, that makes him a pretty good prospect. Right. It never fumbles. The the lack of physical upside as dumb as it is, is what prevents him from being like, wow, like this guy, but would it surprise you if Clyde Edwards Hilaire goes somewhere and ends up being like one of the two most productive running backs in this draft class, even though he's not rated that highly. My brother, Frank finds a reason every three days to send me something to remind me that Clyde Edwards Hilaire is his RB one. Good. Frank's got good taste. He, what, what, everything that he can find, it's like every tweet or good thing he can find about Edward Tolaire, he sends it to me and then it just says RB1. Here's the thing though with the way that we operate our scoring for player grading, we grade based on film, and there are some areas of his film where he's not as dynamic as some of the other backs in the class and then the way that we break ties or at least the way i break ties joe is i look at their analytics profile if you will and that involves everything from size adjusted athleticism to production to experience and in all of those areas clyde edwards hilaire is behind the other guys yeah So it's not that if you just took the Clyde Edwards Hilaire film grade, he's absolutely in the conversation of potentially being an RB1. If you're willing to make the concessions on he's not dynamic and long speed, if you're willing to, you know, hit doubles, singles and doubles routinely instead of, you know, more of a home run style hitter. But the way that I do my grading, it's, it's kind of hard to justify based on he came onto the scene this year and didn't even, wasn't even the starter at the beginning of the year. And he has one good season of production. That's not to diminish what he is. And it's also, you know, it can be a good thing that he's 439 career touches in three years at LSU. Yeah. But when you're measuring these guys up and you're stacking them and you say, okay, I got two guys in the same bucket. And one guy checks all these other boxes and Clyde doesn't check any of them. I can't put them high, but, if you started to get me into the question of would you rather take DeAndre Swift at 18 or would you rather try to wait till 56 to get Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, yeah. I'm going to wait till 56 every single time because I think I can get comparable or equal production. Joe Burrow finds every opportunity he can to tell people that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is the best football player he's ever played with. Have you noticed this? Uh, I've, I noticed that Joe... Joe loves Clyde. He loves him <laughs> in a big way. Um, do you think, okay, so 
how do you bring Devin Singletary into this conversation in terms of helping Clyde in terms of his valuation based on what Devin showed as a rookie? Well, I think Clyde's more dynamic than Devin Singletary. Not by much, but he is, yeah. With similar athletic profiles. I think Devin had, had five five point five point one yards per carry this past year. I don't know, probably something like that. Yeah. He did no, I'm looking at it. He did. Okay. Um listen, I'm I'm not worried about Clyde Edwards Hilaire being a productive player. So if you want to look at the Devin Singletary model and say, okay, that's his pathway to success, great. He's gonna break two tackles on every freaking play. <laughs> And he's, I do think Clyde is a little bit more effective getting into the gaps. Like that, that was the thing with Devin Singletary where you and I were watching, what was it? Bill's dolphins. And it's like, Oh, there's the hole. Yeah. That was his worst game. And, he, and then you that. pause, pause, pause. Okay. Now he's in the hole. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, you got to have a little bit of burst to accelerate. And I, either that or you got to have great anticipation. Yeah. That was, but I, I think Clyde's fine in both those spaces. Yeah, and he's a better receiver than Devin, too. So, Okay, who was the other guys you wanted to get into? Well, we got we got to get Zach Moss. Because he's both of our RB6. Yeah, I mean, contact balance. He's got some physicality behind him. I like the way he slapped together. Um, he's, he's got another some one of these guys that I was going to say, he's another one of these guys like DeAndre Swift where it's like, he played in a ton of games. He has a ton of production. He has a ton of touches, but it always felt like he kind of had something. Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like he's ready to go in terms of being pro ready. Like maybe he doesn't have, he's not going to have like a 10 year career, but I think you'll have four to six seasons of, of quality contributions as potentially a lead back or a significant, you know, number two. And, um, I mean, you just don't have a whole lot of worry when you watch his tape and project him to the next level because he gives you vision and contact balance. And um, you remember that? I mean, there's that. What was that run that he had? And there's like one leg on the ground. You can just tell that he just has. Oh, uh, that was backed up in his own goal line. Yeah, he's it? like on the. He was between the goal line and the one yard line, and somehow he's got like one foot on the ground, the other one like literally straight up in the air, and he was recovers that, from that. Was that Stanford? I don't know, but it was an unbelievable play. Uh, no, it was BYU at the beginning of this year. I have a film clip of it. I said, Zach Moss made it to the 11-yard line on this play, and he's getting cut down. <laughs> he's got a hand and the foot on the ground on his own goal line, <laughs> and he's like doing a split with his legs straight up in the air. <laughs> it's the weirdest run I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I... Moss is rock solid across the board. I think Zach Moss is like the solid but unspectacular back out of this group. And he scored as an early three for me. Uh, so if you want to get into uh, avoiding high investments in the backs, I think the other five are at least in conversation to go early. Uh, he's not going to hit home runs. He doesn't have good long speed. I know he posted like 
a time of a run that he had outside of because he he missed a chance to have his pro day I think with the COVID nineteen stuff. Yeah, and he posted a video and it was like four four nine, but I think he officially ran four six at the combine. Um, I think his cuts are his best quality. Uh, obviously, the contact balance, as you said, my summary from my player profile is a potential to serve as a high end feature back. Skill set projects best into inside zone, whereas one cut ability and burst through gas will allow him to diagnose the point of attack before bursting into space. Moss possesses valuable three down skills as a pass protector and check down receiver. Despite not having the best athletic profile, Moss offers a complete skill set and should find success early in the pros. Yeah. Five, nine, two, 23. I'm a fan. It's gets, it gets really weird though, right? Cause running backs, the valuation of running backs makes this such a complicated. It can be such a complicated process to like peg these guys. Extremely difficult, but I think that's where you have to go back to the teams and think, okay, well, what type of back do they need? How big of a need is it? And that kind of helps you helps you sort it out. So who else amongst the 15 to 20 other backs that we've each watched would you stick a flag for on day three? Because I'm assuming... I also had Eno Benjamin as a late three, but that's it for top. Like my next back comes at 120, and the first seven came within the first 75. Uh, I I give two guys, Michael P Ryan from Florida. I mean, okay. I think he's he's probably, my next one. He's like the what the the B plus version of Zach Moss. Yes, it's a good 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 parallel to draw. And then I did Michael Warren from Cincinnati, and um, man, I think people are sleeping on him. Um, He's he's a bowling ball type runner, the way he's slapped together. And what I really appreciate appreciate about him is I think he's got really good foot speed for that style of run. And so the way he leverages gaps, the way he takes on contact, the way he's kind of has enough wiggle and shift and and foot quickness to get wide and really challenge tacklers and get them off balance is something I really appreciated. And obviously he runs really physical and he'll explode into contact and catches the ball a little bit, you know, and, and I think he's got some juice for a guy that brings you some physicality. So if you're looking for that style of runner, like if, you know, if Christian McCaffrey's your lead back, this would be a really good type of option to target as the compliment. So I think a couple of my favorite, maybe earlier day three guys are, are P Ryan and Warren. Uh, I saw more of Devin Singletary and Michael Warren than I did Clyde Edwards. Hilaire. Really? And, and I mean, Warren's probably 20 pounds more than him. Plus 25 pounds more. And I have Michael Warren is my RB 11. I got a fourth on him. Uh, he's also my RB 11. That's funny. There you go. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I really like both of those guys. P Ryan was my RB eight. So the next one, the first day three running back that I have scored, uh, Warren was RB 11. Also fourth round grade. I'll give a little bit of love to Darrington Evans from app state. Uh, kind of a one cut. He's definitely not. We've talked about contact balance with a lot of these guys. <laughs> nope. That's that's not his strength. No. <laughs> but he is. He's kind of more of a slender build, more of an upright runner. But he's a one cut, good burst. Uh, I think he's he's effective getting to the boundary, and uh, I think he's got good ability in zone concepts, specifically wide zone. I'd like to see him work into and let him get outside and cook. He's got a pretty good uh, production profile and his size adjusted athleticism isn't 
going to wow you, but I think he's got the athletic ability to play to his strengths that he illustrated at App State at the pro level as well. And if I wanted to go off the reservation and give a sleeper, I'd go with James Robinson from Illinois State. Uh, I have a fifth-round grade on him. He's RB13 for me. Uh, Went down to the Shrine Bowl, had a really good week there. He is not going to wow you with long speed, but this dude is dense, and he is explosive in short spaces. So James Robinson, let me pull it up. I don't want to misquote. I know he jumped 37 in the vert. Yeah, he had a good at the jump. combine. He's like a four six six though. Four six four. Yep. I'm sorry. He jumped forty in the vert. <laughs> so he's five nine two twenty. Four six four. Forty in the vert and ten five in the broad. So his two jumps were eighty eighth percentile and ninety third percentile. For a guy that's two twenty and super dense. And uh, you could see the lack of long speed when you watch him on tape. But I really like some of what he brings to the table as far as running angry, breaking tackles. He, my comp for him is Isaiah Crowell. Yeah. It's, to it's, give you some comp. You remember, yeah. You remember what Crowell's tape was like in college? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can see that a good amount in James Robinson's tape when he's sandbagging FCS kids. <laughs> like, so the question is, you know, how persistent can he be and how effective can he be to press downhill you know, and, and get four or five yards a pop. And then when those opportunities come for you to run physical and ragdoll somebody, you can pop off a big game, but that's the only way you're going to break off a big game. How about Keyshawn Vaughn Vanderbilt running back? First game I watched was LSU, and my goodness, he gashed him. Like, what is yeah. going on right here? Like, we need to be talking about Keyshawn Vaughn more. Uh, and I kept watching, and he's he's a good player. He brings some juice to the table. Um, he's very decisive. He gets the ball and goes as a one-cut runner. I mean, good tackle breaker. I don't think he makes a lot of guys miss. He's not super creative, but there's some juice and physicality that if we're talking mid-day three guy that I think profiles as a – Really solid, rock-solid number two back. I like Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah, I think he does a lot of things well. I don't think he has a trait that he can hang his hat on. And because of that, he's a little bit further down for me as RB20. Oh, really? Uh, I have him RB14. 20 is disrespectful. I, I got an early six on him. He does a lot of things good, but I don't think he has a standout trait. Which, That's- once you get into that range for running backs, it's like, all right, are you kind of jaggy or... Yeah, like John Josh Kelly was that for me. Josh right. Kelly, I have RB15 and a fifth round grade. It's like we have reverse takes on those two players. Okay, well, we got to go back, check the tape. <sighs> Last guy I want to mention. Okay. How about DJ Dallas, man? This running back from Miami, quarterback in high school, came to Miami to play receiver, just started playing running back in 2017. And I, I I get that there's a lot of work that he needs, right? Like you watch him play and, and you don't see any of the cadence and nuance pressing the line of scrimmage or doing things to make blocks right. But, man, he gets the ball and he goes and he explodes into contact. He's yeah. super competitive as, as a pass blocker. And then, like, he does have that receiving ability that he didn't get him any chances. I think he only had 29 targets this past year. But when he caught the ball, like you saw it, like he, he caught the ball like a receiver. I think if I'm thinking like 
sixth, seventh round, a guy with some legitimate ceiling from a developmental guy. DJ Dallas is interesting to me. I think that's a great call. And I think that's a great way to put a bow on Friday's episode of Draft Dudes. We got wide receivers on Monday. Yep. So hit subscribe. Come back. See us again. We are going deep dive position by position, getting you guys ready for April's NFL draft. We got more confirmation from the league yesterday that it is on. They are not moving it. So we are less than four weeks from the 2020 NFL draft. Make sure you subscribe to draft dudes, check out locked on NFL draft, swing over to the DraftNetwork.com. get yourselves ready. Cause it's going to be a party and we're going to have a good time. We're all going to be bundled up at home. <laughs> And nothing to do but talk about the draft for the next four weeks. So we got lots of great stuff coming your way. I'm Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast.